I think the point is to make us despair, to see ourselves as animal and ugly, to make us reject the possibility that God could love us. Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. familiar and i am stephanie i'm justin i'm the ghost of caleb (laughs) yeah that is caleb will not be joining us except in ghostly presence um for (laughs) wow i sometimes i can still hear his voice (laughs) um he will actually not be joining us for the next few episodes uh for for the month of may I, i should say um, because for the month of May, we will be talking about uh, NSFC material that is not safe for Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, are, are we calling it Monster May? Or are we I, just... We're I talking about know. horror movies. Like, we're doing yeah, horror movies. It's murderous May? Morbid May? Morbid May. Yeah, that was, like that that's one. kind of that's, fun. That's There's that's so many better. great scary M-words, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, so the, for May, we, we you know, Caleb's not able to do some do the recording for various reasons this month, so we decided to take the opportunity to talk about movies that Caleb never wants to talk about, <laughs> because he doesn't do horror, uh, but Justin and I are both horror fans, so this is our opportunity to talk about some, um, some that we love, some that we have not seen. <laughs> or maybe feeling different towards yeah, you yeah. don't know <laughs> maybe you don't know yeah um but yeah so this the, to start things off we're kind of going back in time a little bit <laughs> i mean not that far but like to 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 the 60s and 70s um to talk about some classic horror uh tonight we are doing rosemary's baby and the exorcist Yes. Um, so starting with Rosemary's Baby, it was released in 1968. Um, often regarded as one of the, if not the best horror movie of all time, which, don't get me wrong, it's amazing. It's a great movie, but uh, best of all time, I don't know. I feel like best horror movie, like best of any genre, is kind of difficult to quantify because horror encapsulates such a wide swath of of stories. I guess like like one thing we were doing when we were talking about like which movies to discuss this month was like yeah, kind of tra- yeah, <laughs> which uh, uh, hey we already talked about <laughs> the witch. I mean yeah, it was well we were trying to divide it by like subgenre sort of or or by like the type of horror that it was because there are so many types like um like for instance these ones they're not just classic horror they're both also kind of about like demons and the devil and that kind of thing like about like i don't know kind of religiously inspired horror um versus other ones we'll be talking about are like slashers or hauntings or you know <laughs> Other crazy shit. I don't know. Like... So I guess if you were to put a label on this, it is religious tinged 
prestige classic yeah. horror. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Find it in your right. local library that's... under question mark. <laughs> no, that's definitely a thing. Um, uh, like The Omen, I think, would also fall into this category. Another movie that I really like that sort of is, is about that kind of thing. Like these movies are super into like demons and the Antichrist and everything. Um, which I like, uh, I think, you know, I can't speak for both of us, but I know uh, as someone who has a religious background, I, I find this stuff interesting. Like, you know, it, it's always interesting to see how, I guess, movies deal with these, these, I don't know, religious themes that it's like, I don't know how much the writers have a background in it. They might, but I, I don't know. I think these movies handled it pretty pretty well um yeah these are movies that um the exorcist especially um yeah and i super... was a a good little church boy um i the idea of watching these movies like scared me yeah um now <laughs> yeah. uh i don't even i wouldn't even say i'm scared by these movies they're very they're just very good movies that yeah. happen to be horror yeah i mean yeah i would We'll we'll get into a little bit of the scare factor with some of them later on. Um, just at the outset, I would say unsettling more so than like scary. Yeah. But at the same time, you can definitely see how people in the sixties and seventies would have been like, "Dude, what the fuck? This is scary!" <laughs> like, because how many things like that have you I, seen at that point? I mean, just think of a theater going audience uh, in nineteen sixty eight, and the the end of the movie is a bunch of old rich white people going hail satan <laughs> that had that's some not popcorn that drops. Out of the realm. <laughs> yeah i know um <laughs> oh god that ending um yeah um okay so let's see so let's go ahead and um rosemary's baby came out first chronologically so i guess we can start with that one um uh you know just at the outset the less said about roman polanski the better uh, so we're just not going to say that much about him. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> th- this movie is, I'll, I'll say it is well directed. It's a very good movie, you know, but movies are more than just their director or their lead actor. And I think that's something that kind of gets bypassed in the conversation a lot. Like so many people, you know, are involved in making a movie and the artistry I think here really shows beyond just that. Like the acting is good. You know, the, the music is really good. The cinematography is great. Uh, so, yeah, fuck that guy. But also, let's talk about the other people who made this movie really good. Yes, uh, Mia Farrow, first of all. Amazing. Oh, my God. Um, great, great, insanely believable performance. Yeah, she um, was really fucking good. She, got, she killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cassavetti is um, a pioneer of the American independent film world. Oh, really? Uh uh, yeah, yeah. He um, hmm. He's known as, like, one of the fathers of American independent film. He used to just, like, run around New York and, uh, without getting a permit or anything, just, like, make movies on the street. <laughs> we learned a lot about him in uh, film school. And, Good for him, dude. Uh, but he wow. plays uh, such, such a tool <laughs> in this Quite movie. Quite believably, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and I feel bad. Those are the only two cast members I know by name. Uh, but everyone kind of does a good job. Some of them come across a little cartoony, but that just makes, in yeah. my opinion, it makes the turn at the end work. Right. And it it almost feels, it, 
in a way I can't quite articulate. They feel like Tim Burton characters in a not Tim Burton movie. Yes, they're very much that like over the top cartoonish like kind of I don't know. The, <laughs> you have to expect them to bust out into some evil song or something. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, like they're in Beetlejuice or something. Like especially like the main old people, the the whatever they're called, the Casvets. Which is very similar to Cassavetes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I thought it was weird because the guy's name is Roman Cassavetes. Yeah. And I was so like, is like, that like. He just couldn't think of a name. But, <laughs> but it's based on a novel, so I wonder if it's true. if it's the same. It's just serendipity, everyone. So this, yeah, the, the book is based off a novel which uh, by Ira Levin, who is actually the same guy who wrote The Stepford Wives. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like I need to read more about this guy because I feel like. He really had his finger on the pulse of, like, something that was going on in mid-century America in regards to, you know, like, women, I guess. Which is weird to say of a man in, like, the, in that time period. But, um, he, he seemed to have been keyed into something. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't read the book. And I also haven't read the book that The Exorcist is based on. But we don't read on this podcast. No, we We're a movie podcast I for a reason. I can't read. Yeah. <laughs> no read, only watch. Um... But but yeah, so I think that there there is a, a certain amount of sensitivity displayed uh, to that here, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah, so uh, gosh, uh, I I don't know, I I don't I'm torn on whether to do like a plot summary or not because I know sometimes people. Uh, if there's a type of movie that someone's not going to watch, it's usually going to be horror. Like so, maybe there we could have listeners who are not going to watch these movies. Actually, you know what I'll do. Um, there's a podcast actually that I really like called Ruined, and it's basically a podcast of two ladies, uh, covering horror movies. Uh, one of them likes horror and the other one doesn't. So the one who likes horror describes it to the one who doesn't, and you get all the spoilers along with, like, fun commentary uh, without ever actually having to see the movie. So <laughs> if you're a, a Caleb in our audience <laughs> or someone like that who doesn't like that, um, this is a way you could find out the plot of each of these movies. No, uh, I like that. Now, keep in mind, if you are listening to us and you haven't watched these yet, just by nature of us talking about them, we spoilers are just oh, yeah. going to happen. But yeah. we will try not to ruin the the beat-by-beat beat moments. I mean, I already told you <laughs> yeah, what happens in the, the last scene. Stuff, yeah. But you don't know how or why they're mm. chanting Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> but why are they chanting Hail Satan? What's their motivation? Uh, so, Stephanie, this is your first time <laughs> seeing the movie, right? It is, actually. Yeah, experiences. Um, Yeah, this is my first time seeing Rosemary's Baby. Um, I was really impressed. I really liked it. Um, I had heard about it a long time and actually studied it a little bit in a, a class that I took in college about like women in film, that kind of thing, and I was supposed to watch it, um, but I didn't because uh, <laughs> I had a lot of other stuff to do with papers to write. But um, but yeah, the, uh, no, it was really good and yeah, I, I really appreciated it. And I like I knew what it was about, but I didn't really know like all the details and everything. So yeah, I I really liked it. Like I wasn't ever like surprised necessarily, but seeing how it unfolded was really cool because it's kind of that very slow building tension. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, this is my second time seeing it and uh, I highly recommend watching it at least twice um, yeah. just because you, you pick up on a lot. 
going through it. Uh, the first time I watched it was in college. Me and one of my roommates used to have a uh, tradition where we would buy a bottle of wine each and order a pizza. I mean, sit there and we'd watch a movie, eat the pizza, and drink an entire bottle of wine that each. That sounds so fun. Uh, so we were like, this is called the best horror movie of all time. Let's watch it. We got really amped. Um, she fell asleep. No! <laughs> I, uh, no. I finished it. So you missed out, sister. Yeah. I hope you, hope you ended up rewatching it later. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought it was great. It is, it is a slow burn, but what a good, what a good slow burn it is. Yeah. Yes, it's like, I don't know, it, <laughs> I hate the, is this a horror movie discourse, like, I do, and yet I'm about to play into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this movie is ever trying to be scary, yeah. like, I don't know if that's like a hot take or something, but I think it, it's not that I don't think it should be called a horror movie, it's that I don't know if it sees itself as a horror movie. Of course, it was the 1960s, and maybe the definition of that genre was a little different at the time. Like, in The Exorcist, you can clearly tell that it's trying to be scary. Um, in Rosemary's Baby, it, it, like, it's frightening, but in a, in a peculiar way, kind of. Like, it's, it's very much... No, shot more like what seems like it could just as easily be a psychological breakdown mm. until it's revealed that oh no, that that shit's for real. <laughs> like so, <laughs> I would I, I would almost say that this is more of a horror tinged psychological thriller than it is yeah a more it, it is just it is a it is a psychological thriller uh, that just so happens to be dealing with subject matter that is considered in the horror genre. But also that being said. Uh, you got to think of movies before this uh, that were horror <laughs> movies. Uh, Dracula, The Wolfman, stuff like that. Stuff that is insanely goofy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> used to be, like, horrifying to audiences. So horror and comedy, more so than any other genre, mm. change and age yeah. as time goes on. And you can see that. Um, that's why so few movies from this era... Um, have the prestige that these two do because a lot of them just end up feeling kind of corny yeah well and that's the thing like i think both of the movies we're talking about tonight are pretty serious movies like um i don't know that they're not as i'm not saying that like the universal monster movies are trying to be wacky or anything but i think they're kind of like obviously like okay we know this is out there like here's a giant like creature in a costume like running around whereas these ones are very human focused um they are clearly trying to be like about stuff um and i mean i and i think it works you know um like rosemary's baby I don't know. I yeah. I was struck by the slow burnness of it. I was struck by how it kind of seemed like a play sometimes because yeah. there was a lot of in a good way uh, because there was a lot of people kind of sitting around and talking, um, characters coming in and out. A lot of things. A whole lot of the movie takes place in the same settings, uh, which I think is effective. Um, a lot of it, I, I was noticing kind of the cinematography of like the apartment scenes. And how they seem so claustrophobic and kind of like these like small spaces and corridors and little rooms and like these tall ceilings uh, that kind of seem to never really end. And like, 
I don't know, that sense of being trapped, I think, is quite appropriate. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's at all unrealistic for a New York apartment. I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's how it actually is, even for like a nicer one like these. But um, yeah, I, I kind of liked that. And whenever, whenever she would get outside, it felt like kind of breaking free for a moment until, you know, she gets pulled back in again. And one of my favorite moments um, is when she's in the phone booth and she is... Uh, trying to get in touch with the other doctor and it's she's outside she's in a what you think is a safe place but she's also in a phone booth it's very it's very isolated and uh, claustrophobic and then the guy like puts his back against the booth and that was a really great visual representation of the world that she's living in right no matter where she is it's it's, someone's watching her someone's following her like she has no agency despite that's the thing like it's it's very rarely actually trying to scare you in ways that like the exorcist is trying to scare you um it's just it's just trying to make you unsettled i guess and like nervous and suspicious um and uh yeah pretty effectively i think and it, like we said before it goes very slowly like it kind of starts out like <laughs> i kind of liked how their relationship with like the older couple starts out like uh do we really want to hang out with these old people i don't know like <laughs> that could be kind of annoying um but even then it's like they still end up getting sucked in or well the husband does at least <laughs> so i want to something i'm not clear on and have never been clear on with this movie is hmm. Did the husband choose to live there because he had already gotten involved through Hollywood connections with this cult? Mm. Or did these old people, like, after they move in, they're having, like, afternoon tea or some shit. And they're like, by the way, (laughs) how would you feel about giving your wife to us, letting us perform a ritual where the devil will rape her? And we take the Satan baby. Yeah. No, I actually, I was kind of wondering about that too, because like you and I were talking about when we were watching the ending, like it's, it's so weird. Like this cult is such a strange combination of like everything ends up working for them. And yet they seem pretty bad at their jobs, like super (laughs) slipshod and like everything they do. Um, (laughs) It's like they plan extensively and yet there's certain things that they just did not budget for at all. They fail successfully. Yeah, yeah. They just fail upward all the time. I don't, it's My career trajectory, baby. (laughs) It's because they're old white people. Even even when they are like super bad at everything, they just fail up. Man, I hate a manipulative, murderous uh, devil cult. Uh, as much as the next person, but I really hate a murderous, manipulative devil cult with almost exclusively <laughs> all very old, very rich white people. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, super, like, uh, that's pretty much leaned into, too. Ugh. It's like, oh, well, you, it, it's like, on the one hand, it's kind of jarring that they, like, old waspy people would be, like, yelling, Hail Satan, but at the same time, it makes total sense that they would be pulling all the strings, because of course they're pulling all the strings. It's like, most of them probably got into this lifestyle because they're bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm bored and I want more power over, like, stupid mundane shit. So, like, I don't know. Like, of course, it's <laughs> it's never exactly clear, like, why they want to worship Satan and raise the Antichrist. Because it's like, they clearly already have things going great for them. I guess, do they think the Antichrist is, like, going to make things even better for them or something? I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a little unclear. 
Um, but it's fine. I mean, clearly shit seems to be working out for them. They can afford these nice apartments in New York City. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Gosh, let's see. <laughs> Where were we? Um, oh, boy. Um, so, uh, John Cassavetti's character, Guy. Uh, this guy, am I right? <laughs> so, I... I don't know what it was like to be a woman in the late 60s uh but it doesn't seem fun (laughs) uh because even before he's being like extra extra shady he's just kind of being like a controlling dick bag and it's just like oh okay that's that's just how things are it's never quite clear when it really begins you know and I, i guess that has to be intentional like when he starts actively manipulating her for the purposes of the cult, mm-hmm. like it, he, yeah, that's true. He always kind of seems like, well, it's weird because at the very beginning, like they do seem to be in a happy relationship, but briefly, but, that yeah. lasts like ten minutes of the movie because yeah. because that scene uh, that we were messaging about back and forth, <laughs> uh, where they have sex on the floor. Yeah, where they're just like, eating and then she's suddenly like, let's make love and they're like... He doesn't even say okay. anything. He just like starts taking off his socks. Yeah, that's the funniest <laughs> part is like, it would, it would honestly make more sense if she was just like, let's make love and then they just like swept everything aside and just like started doing it immediately but instead it was like, okay. And then they just start <laughs> casually getting undressed. They're like, sitting on the floor <laughs> in complete silence. Those are the first yeah. words spoken in that scene. Yeah. And it's just like, they... There's no spark here. I know, I know. (laughs) He was excited to move, and that's, like, it. (laughs) It it was weird. It was, I guess we had to know they were, like, a happy couple or something initially. It happened so fast. Almost instantly. If, like, you, I think the twist for Guy would have been better if, like, you saw him, like, being, like, a nice supportive husband and everything and then when she starts catching on to the cult that's when he starts being very controlling but the fact that he was like just a controlling asshole the entire time yeah it's just like well yeah of course that guy's like right and then he like admits to having sex with her while she was passed out and it's not even like a he doesn't even seem like he thinks she would be mad about it he's just like oh yeah i just had sex with you while you were passed out and expects her to be cool with it and she's just like um, and he's like, oh, what, I, you know, we, we was, we're supposed to be making babies, right? So, like, it was just super, it was super weird. I, I, and I love, God, I love, uh, I love Rosemary so much, because she doesn't just, like, let that slide. She's like, well, we could have waited till, like, in the yeah, morning or like, the uh, next night. That's not the only time I have a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Your vagina stops working in the morning. Like, uh, it, yeah, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it's <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, it, granted, like, I do kind of like Rosemary as a character because she's obviously pretty, pretty um, systematically stripped of agency by the people around her. But she's never just like, okay, she's constantly like, um, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> so she, while she is kind of forced into a certain passivity, she never feels completely passive because... She does question things, and she kind of pushes back. And I think that's important because without her pushing back like that, it wouldn't. F- you she wouldn't feel as powerless when 
shit keeps happening to yeah. her anyway, I guess, if that makes sense. And I love that it showed how, like, smart and resourceful she is. She gets that book, and then she does her own research and puts everything yeah. together. And The classic horror movie researching scene. <laughs> researching the bad guy who's been there for, for ages and is coming back to get you. Also, uh, ladies, all of you should have group of friends, like Rosemary's group of friends. I know. When they took her to the bathroom and the husband's trying to get in, they're like, no, fuck they're off. Like, no. <laughs> about it too they're like oh no just ladies sorry <laughs> like shut the door in his face uh i loved that scene so and, much uh, the, and it was honestly it made things even sadder because it was like oh right she needs to be around people her own age and like people who are her peers and you know know her from her previous life um but of course that <laughs> they shut that shit down immediately <laughs> and it's extra heartbreaking because they seem like they're actually legitimately really good friends who yeah. care about the couple I know. and she is forced to have no contact with them yeah it's, I, it's I love the, such a the line where she's like she's like I'm planning a party and to get it you have to be under 60 years having none of it I know she's fucking had it with these old ass motherfuckers <laughs> like I completely relate <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's and I do think that scene's important because it's like it's showing that that what is happening to her outside of that is not normal. Like, oh, this is her being normal. This is her having friends who are her own age and who are looking out for her. And then when you see that, you realize how much like in stark contrast to that, everything else is like, oh, right. I, I also love that scene because it it shows. Um, I, I listen to a lot of true crime and love like researching stuff about real world cults and mm. everything. And like, it, it, it's easy for people to be like, Oh, everyone who's in a cult is uh, crazy. It really shows how like the isolation that they force yep. upon you yep. can make the gradual decline of things, that slippery slope of mm. nonsense, um, how it's hard for people to recognize that. And then the minute she gets contact with people outside of that bubble, she starts uh, questioning everything yep like it, it no it, it's no. a very realistic look at this bullshit i think that's yeah like and that's a really important thing to remember like when i guess thinking about people talking about people who are in cults or things that resemble cults like that's honestly pretty real because i mean if you look at how they operate like it's not just preying on vulnerable people which it is but it's also like it's not as easy to get out of that kind of situation no. as some people think it is. Like, it's basically just a larger version of an abusive relationship. Like, I mean, when you think about, like, the the Jonestown, uh, Jim Jones, yeah. the uh, Heaven's Gate cult. Like, you know, it wasn't... Not everyone just <laughs> drank the Kool-Aid. Lit literally, like, not everyone did that, like, voluntarily. Like, they actually had people with guns, like... <laughs> Be yeah. like, yeah, you're okay. gonna do this. We, like, we need to move on. I will, yeah, I, I will jump I down this rabbit hole, and we will not get back. <laughs> no, it's really, it's really interesting in a very sad, awful way. But yeah, that's the thing. Like once you are in like that, it's it's really not that easy to get out. And the same thing goes for like abusive, you know, d domestic partnership, that kind of thing. Like, and I guess her husband is kind of an extension of that, which is interesting too, because it's like a lot of times what spousal abuse looks like in movies is like oh he gets super drunk and like slaps her around like which does happen but it also can manifest in ways like this where it's like he seems like he's nice and he's just trying to take care of her but he is also like 
obviously manipulating her and controlling her. And um, <laughs> the, he's doing it for a cult of old people, but still, like... The balls on this man <laughs> to, after having wrestled her to the ground and having her forcefully sedated, having to be like, no, oh, everything's fine. The baby died, but, you know, like, you're okay. Where'd you get those crazy ideas? The, the pre-par- <laughs> pre-partum, quote-unquote. Oh yeah, the pre-partum God, crazies. Like... Yeah, the the gaslighting is real. <laughs> uh, Stephanie had a great line. We watched the last like few minutes of the movie together uh, before recording, and <laughs> Stephanie was like, "I hope he's better on the stage than he is yeah, this shit. with his acting." <laughs> yeah, because when he's sitting there, like, "Oh, um, the baby died, and you had the prepartum crazies, but <laughs> it's totally fine." Like, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not buying this for a second. <laughs> Razzie award for <laughs> this man. <laughs> anyway, everything's fine. Here comes our old lady neighbor to take I some know, of your breast milk." I know. <laughs> and she's just like casually taking her breast milk and she's like what's that for and she's like um nothing uh, i'm just gonna throw it away and it's like what? and then she goes to put the spoon in it no 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 no, no. <laughs> i'm gonna drink it the i'm way, super yeah. into that shit <laughs> right, it's just it's just the fetish i have right it, it i don't know I, that's the thing that's the thing that's so frustrating about this movie is like all these people are so bad at lying actually but because she's in such a powerless situation it doesn't even matter. Like, she pretty much sees through it. But, like, what is she going to do? You know? Like, her only friends that she makes are kind of strategically bumped off by the people in the cult. Like, <laughs> end up getting killed. And, like, the saddest part, of course, of all of it is that her husband, who should be looking out for her, like, more so than anyone else, is just in league with them. He's He's helping along with the whole thing and it couldn't have been done without his help so uh, gold star for this man also another heartbreaking thing she gets out she goes and finds professional help oh, with yeah. another doctor that was rough and then that doctor calls her abusers yep. to pick her up <laughs> bad doctor I know. again i don't know what it was Awful. like in 1968 but it sounds like a hellscape i was gonna say honestly that felt pretty true like you know like oh this lady she's acting up she's she's her, her uterus is wandering around and making her crazy. Um, we better call her husband and all these random ass old people to come pick her up because they know what's best, uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's so sad, dude. So frustrating. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so so let's talk about the ending. What 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 do you make of that whole... Like, the part that we watched together, yeah. um, the last 20 minutes. What, what, what do you make of that? Uh, again, it it's hard to know what the exact motivations are because it seems like they <laughs> yeah. were dead set on rosemary not knowing the baby's alive like keeping her a part of it that all confused me until she finds them and then the entire cult except for uh the leader roman uh is like no let her be the mother to the child you don't have to join you don't have to join even right it's like he makes the executive call on that which makes sense i mean he seems to be the ringleader Mm -hmm. but but it was like they hadn't talked about it. Because, like, the other lady, she was like, no, you can't come near the baby. And then he was like, no, let her come near yeah. the baby. Or something. It's like, so it's like, no, what? no, Gladys, we really made an oopsie. I know. <laughs> I was like, we really didn't think this shit through. Like, but they didn't. I don't, it's, that's the thing. Like, they, it, it's never clear, like, whether they have this grand plan or whether they're completely flying by the seat of their parents. And, uh, and it's not like they, uh, this cult is shown, um three times two times in this movie um to be willing to murder uh (laughs) yeah but they keep rosemary alive my my no prize 
explanation is that you're raising the antichrist the the leader of the cults was like oh if the antichrist finds out we kept him from his mom or even worse murdered his mom he's going to use all that devil magic and he's going to kill all of us so rosemary needs to be involved that's a movie i'd watch uh, that, yeah, honestly <laughs> uh check stephanie's twitter uh yeah. for a great sequel idea that stuff has no name um, yeah the, i mean i think i think the ending the way it sets things up is pretty ripe for a sequel frankly but uh, because <laughs> The last shot of the movie uh, that has a person in it that's not the the building yeah. uh, is Rosemary looking at the baby and uh, God bless me if Pharaoh's acting. I know. Uh, uh-huh. There's an equal parts love for her child and a lust for revenge on her face. I know it's <laughs> you're right. It's a really cool shot and actually I yeah I really love her acting for that whole last scene. I, like for instance, I love the scene not the, that part of the scene where. It's right after he said the thing to her about, like, maybe you should be his mother. Like, uh, you would be better at it than, like, the old women who don't know what they're doing. Like, that kind of thing. Um, and you, it kind of holds on her face for a while. And she she gets this almost, like, a spiteful look. Like, she's like, you know what? Yeah, I will be his mother because fuck you. <laughs> I deserve to be part of my baby's life. Like, um, and, and then she, like, because she's, like, watching the fucking old lady with the like huge glasses like just violently rock the crane it's like painful to watch it's like bitch like what are you doing I, you don't know how to rock a baby god i love it because not five minutes ago she was running in there swinging a knife around ready to murder a I room know. full of old people and yes. take her baby back and then just very calmly you're rocking him too hard I know it's so it's so good, and the lady's like, "What?" Um, and she's just like, "You're you're rocking him too hard," and it's like, "Yeah, it's I don't know, it's Gladys, step away from the baby, (laughs) go drink your titty milk." Yeah, (laughs) hey, that titty milk's for the baby, the baby (laughs) antichrist. They just didn't want to tell her that at first. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's it's it ends on such a huge question mark, and yet it it makes total sense like if that you know like because it's like she approaches the cradle you know she rocks him like gently she tucks him in and interestingly that one last shot where like holds on her face it's like whereas the baby was like crying and you know fussing and everything he like goes to like very soft little baby noises and then like goes to sleep and it's like oh it's like she's still she's very much still his mother and it's like a weirdly I rarely have a scene and ending that is such a weird combination of like dark and depressing and weirdly hopeful because it's like on the one hand it's like oh god this poor woman has been so like um so controlled by this fucking like cult that she now has to raise the literal antichrist like probably within their their control and their jurisdiction and at the same time, it's like the literal antichrist, the son of the devil, is just responding to her touch and to her her rocking him. Like, it's like he's still very much under her influence because he's a baby and she's his mother. And that's like a weirdly hopeful thing, like, <laughs> which is why I said, like, I would like to see a sequel where things actually go a little bit better where she like raises him to be a good person and they defeat the evil people together like because to me that ending conveys that like there's still hope that the baby could be like her instead of like his dad <laughs> <laughs> so. i i love the scene 
<laughs> yeah, too, too much Vader and him. I'm sorry, said. I, we forgot to put away the Ouija board. Yeah. Caleb's <laughs> the, the disembodied voice of Caleb is still making commentary. Uh, I love when, in that final scene when everything's going down, someone just comes up to Guy and is like, you must be so proud. And he's just like, well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yeah, he's like, hey, really? That is new. My kid, technically, I'm his stepdad. Um, I can't believe my man's got cucked by the devil um, <laughs> willingly. I mean, it's it's like a weird like Joseph situation, like where it's like, oh, I I know that you were impregnated by this uh, all powerful supernatural being, but I'm cool with it. That's fine. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm still kind of the dad. Oh, good. You know, I'm a famous actor. Now, yeah, so. I mean, hey, yeah, my man's got the only thing uh, he cared about. So, so. Uh, all of our talk about our desire for a sequel uh, had me do some tippy taps on the Wikipedia, oh. and uh, there is a sequel novel called Son of Rosemary that came out in 1997. Okay. I know nothing about it, um, but I will definitely be reading that synopsis. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm not the... going to read the novel. Kidding me. <laughs> I mean, the Navy convention makes sense. I, I like that. Um, I am very interested to know what direction that goes uh, in. He also, uh, the writer, uh, dedicated it to Mia Farrow. As he, out, should, so, yes. as he should. As he should. I'm ready to dedicate to Mia Farrow, too. I'm watching <laughs> this movie. Like, I don't know what I'm dedicating, but I'm dedicating it. Like, for real. Uh, so any final thoughts on Rosemary's Baby? Oh, gosh. Um, great movie. Honestly, where where do we want to put this on the NSFC scale? The Not Safe for Caleb scale. I think we should do that with each of the movies we reviewed this month. Uh, on... <laughs> is a scale a 10 scale or like a five scale um okay let's let's do a five scale i feel like that's a little easier let's say one is like not scary at all and five is like the scariest movie you've seen that caleb should absolutely okay. never watch um this is a two granted he would probably want to look away for the devil rape scene <laughs> Well, that's the thing. The thing about that scene is it's disturbing, but, but it's, not, it's scary. not scary. Uh, but it, we were, this is a not safe for Caleb. Yeah, scale. but that's the thing. I can never quite get a handle on I, what I, Caleb can and can't. I, you know, I think it might be a little much for him. I think it would give him some spooky nightmares. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say. See, the thing is, he watched The Shining, and it didn't bother him that much, from what I could tell. Caleb, did, did watching The Shining bother you a lot? No, he's shaking his head. See, and see, this, I don't feel that this is scarier than The Shining. No, you're right, you're right. I think it's a better movie than The Shining, frankly, I, but but I don't think it's scarier. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I'm, I'm still feel, I'm feeling confident at a two, because I feel yeah. like one, if it's counting all horror movies, like Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is like a yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one is like... Actually, thinking on it. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is like a four. <laughs> well, spooky. see, The Shining, The Shining I would put at like a three. And I feel like he was fine with The Shining. So I think he I think he could handle this one. I would say I would put The Exorcist at about a three, two, three also. Um, so like that's why I think he could watch The Exorcist. But we'll, we'll, uh, 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 we can talk about that a little more after yeah, we yeah. discuss The Exorcist. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, good movie. Watch it if you haven't. Uh, and if yeah. you have watched it, it definitely, definitely deserves a rewatch. Yeah. Um, especially if you like playing detective and picking up all the clues yes. as they as they unfold. Right, and honestly, like, it, even if you don't like horror movies, I, I mean, you know, read the content guide, you know, if you must. But it's, 
really, it's not violent, um, and there aren't really jump scares. Like, we already basically told you all the most disturbing stuff in it. Um, yeah, I would say it's more just, like, unsettling on a mental level than, like, a... Yeah. The, it's not jump scary. There isn't gore. I, it's more stressful than scary. Yes, yeah. If you can handle some stress in a movie, which can happen in movies that aren't horror, like, comedies are super stressful, oh, if you ask me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, if you can handle that, I think you can be, you can handle this one. Um, but, yeah, great movie. Um, and I guess we will be back after the break to talk about The Exorcist. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Now back to the show. Alright, we are back from the break. How are we feeling, Justin? Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this, this movie. Okay, yeah, um, I, yeah, that's, maybe that's the most difficult part of the movie to take seriously is the fucking demon, which is not good because you, you need to be able to take the demon seriously. But it just sounds like some guy from New York who, like, smokes two packs a day. It sounds like a guy from New York... That is also somehow a high schooler just saying the most offensive thing. I know, right? Um, you know what? Let's put a pin in that because if, okay. if I go down this trail, I'm not going to come off it. Okay, so so we we are back from the break and we are here to talk about The Exorcist. Yes, nineteen seventy-three. Yeah. Okay. Directed by William Friedkin. Uh, I believe this is the only movie I have seen. By old Billy Freeds over here. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with his work, though he sure did a good job with this one. So. Uh, and also, this is the only film in the Exorcist series of films that I've seen. But from what I understand, this is the only one worth watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you watched the other ones? No. Okay. I've seen them talked about in video essays. That's about it. Uh. As much as I could say, and not that much. Um, yeah, this is the only one I've seen. Um, this is my second time seeing it. Same for me. So, um, I saw it for the first time a few years ago. I just felt like watching it because I'd heard it was a really iconic horror movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I think I was expecting something a little bit different because one of the things I had always heard about this movie was that it's one of the scariest movies of all time. So I was expecting a different kind of movie if that makes sense yeah from what i got but in retrospect now and having seen it again i think it is the right kind of movie for for what it needs to be (laughs) i think that i think people who saw this in the 70s were just so unsettled by it that they like kind of overblew how how scary it is but (laughs) that's not that's fine because it it's actually a really good movie yeah, really like it. Uh, for me, I I saw this movie in college. Me and my roommate had this thing where we got a bottle of wine each, and we <laughs> bought a pizza. Now I, I watched this on one of the on one of the wine movie nights. Uh, the problem with this one was uh, neither of us fell asleep, which is nice. But uh, she proposed the idea of doing the wine movie night after I'd already been day drinking all day. Oh, buddy. Uh, college. <laughs> um, so this is my first time re-watching the movie Sober. Sober. <laughs> uh, 
Glad I did. This movie uh, kind of rules. Yeah. Definitely no, lives up to its reputation. Is it like uh, scream in your seat scary? No, but it is a good movie that makes you see some things. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Like, And that's something that I just want to impress this whole month that we're talking about horror movies is like, to me, the measure of a horror movie is not how scary it is. It's that is just one aspect of it. Like, I think every horror movie should succeed in being frightening on some level, but there are many different kinds of frightening and it needn't be like, like, oh God, I'm so scared right now. There are different kinds of like unsettling and disturbing that are like, oh, this is making me really think about something or uh, I don't know, cluing me into the vulnerability of the human condition or yeah. some shit like that. You know, like it, there's so many different ways. It, it's kind of horror is interesting as a genre um, because it is very, uh, very broad in a way that not a lot of other genres are um, in that. Uh, in yeah. horror there are blockbuster horror movies that are supposed to be like jump scare after jump scare after jump scare mm-hmm. and make you feel uh a terror watching it um the the conjuring series the uh the uh oh my god paranormal activity series stuff like that where it's very like yeah those you, are scary. You, you go to see them mostly for uh jump scares and whatnot and then there's what i guess prestige tm uh, horror movies that are more uh, thought-provoking and make you feel uh, a sense of dread or or conflicted in your morality. They're or... usually <laughs> about something with a capital A. Yes. Um, which you know, I'll fully cop to that being my favorite type of horror movie. Like, I, you know, I, I, I know, I know people are into horror for different reasons. Um, I'm very much into stuff that like. It makes me think a little bit, you know, makes me feel feeling is usually good. Um, feeling something other than the terror. I mean, um, you know, um, and I think, I think both of these ones are pretty good about that. Yeah, absolutely. For me, uh, the horror that I love the most, I like on, uh, on both ends of the spectrum. I either need it to be like genuinely, uh, thought provoking and make me feel something, be it, uh, a moral quandary or just feeling that I constantly need to be looking over my shoulder Mm. like it follows. Mm, Um, Or I need it to be absolutely ridiculous blood buckets. (laughs) Like, I need it cartoonishly bloody or I need it, like, deeply thought-provoking. See, that's why it's going to be fun, uh, fun, quote-unquote, for me to talk about, like, the slashers and about the evil dead and stuff because that is just not my kind of thing. Like, I definitely get the appeal, but it's, it's not really... It doesn't really press my buttons in the way that some things do. Like, when I'm watching it, I'm just like, ah, uh, that's, mm, that's nice, <laughs> I guess. Like, you know? Oh, don't worry. We have, we have some of all of that coming oh, up yeah, later in the month. Oh, yeah, we've got quite a variety. <laughs> this, this is our first uh, uh, horror movie date, so we're tricking all of you and thinking yeah. that we're very, like, yeah. heady with what we watch. But then we're about to talk about Evil Dead 2 in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, yeah, so... Um, so The Exorcist, uh, wow, like, what a movie, um. (laughs) And that's our show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I don't even know where to start with this one, um. Okay, 
what, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, what do you make of the opening sequence of this movie? I was I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm not sure I really understand this, but so, it's interesting. I remember this from my first watch, but I forgot how long it lasts. It, it's long, dude. It, it lingers on it, like a lot. It's like a full 15, 20 minutes. Maybe that's an over-exaggeration. Maybe it's closer to like 10 to 12, but it, still. It, it is long. It, uh, it, it It's like a... It's like an Indiana Jones without charisma. Right, right. <laughs> Indiana Jones would make it a little more unsettling, but without really pinning down why. Um, so we get in... I actually want to talk about this, because this yeah. this is where we get introduced to uh, capital T, capital E, The Exorcist. Yeah, Father Marin. Um, and he doesn't really do a lot other than, like, stare into the middle distance and keep his mouth agape. Uh, through this, um, and they like found a little piece of something. Little, I can't tell if it's a bone or s- sculpture. I really couldn't. It seemed like it was a little like carved, like little statue or a sculpture, um, with, like the demon face. Or but something. so then he finds the site where the giant Pazuzu statue is, and he goes to visit it. And then the movie starts. That's right. Okay. So <laughs> granted, like I'm talking about this as a total noob. This is only my first time. Sorry. Second time seeing it. Um, I am not aware of like the canon around this movie. So, you know, if you would know of that, feel free to like shoot us an email or add us on Twitter or something. Yeah. Again, we um, never read the novel. Yeah. Really, yeah. So. <laughs> so I guess why I was confused about this was it was like, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like a symbolic thing. Like symbolic of the demon entering the world to wreak havoc or if it was literally supposed to be like now that the statue is on earth that's like somehow enabling the demon to to come into the world yeah and something else i'm unclear of is how exactly that demon in that other country ends up in reagan right because this is (laughs) To the point of being a, a little not has not aged well. The the movie is super hammering in that this is the Middle East. Like it is like there's the music, you know. There's the dig site. Like most of the people there are Middle Eastern. Like Father Marin and like that one guy he talks to are like the only white people. Um, you know he's sitting in the Middle Eastern cafe. People are staring at him. Um, just that desert setting all throughout. So it's like. I guess without knowing the canon, so just going based purely on the, what the movie is showing, I was not sure if it was supposed to be like sort of a orientalist kind of like this ancient evil from an Abrahamic religion has been like brought into the modern world, or if it's supposed to be like like a literal thing like that, like Indiana Jones, or if it's just supposed to be representative of like Father Marin, like... <laughs> I don't know, confronting sort of the specter of the possibility of demonic possession. Yeah, I don't know. And, and it's like it's said that he, like, had a case in Africa that almost killed him. And Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what it's saying because, like, a modern horror movie would have left it in with that uh, Reagan found a Ouija board in their house and messed with it. And that's, like, okay, now the movie starts. This, it, it has to be implying something and i don't know what that is without knowing the backstory my stab at it would be that this is very much a movie 
about, and this kind of gets into some of my like weird conflicting thoughts about this movie. Like this is very much a movie about the conflict between like the ancient and the modern, like the scientific and the faith-based, uh, the natural and the supernatural. Um, so in a way it almost seems like this opening is supposed to be like contrasting a sort of ancient world, like of that, I don't know, retaining like these, these biblical trappings, if you will, um, now being thrust into the modern world, um, in a way that I guess it's supposed to highlight kind of the incongruity of it because it starts off in this, you know, sand-swept Orientalist Middle Eastern setting and then, you know, hard cut to, oh, we're in America and Washington, D.C. in the modern age, or I guess the 70s, <laughs> as modern as we could get at the time. And, um, I don't know. Yeah, that's about that's about the most I got. And I guess it, it does establish a pretty unsettling tone, you know, of yeah. like we're dealing with some very ancient evil that we are very ill-equipped to address. And I I I don't infer anything even potentially uh malicious towards uh foreign uh countries or no, ideologies no. uh because it's it, very much like passive orientalism obviously yeah. yeah the and the intention of this film is to deal with um abrahamic religions and you're not gonna find abrahamic religion artifacts in the continental united states (laughs) (laughs) there we go no you just find the uh what is it the mormons have like the the... yeah (laughs) damn it i'm i'm taking the ouija board and i'm putting it on the goodbye (laughs) (laughs) ghost of caleb okay so we might as well adjust the like, just briefly, I thought the Ouija board thing was really silly. Like, maybe it's just because in the context of, like, a lot of modern movies have used that as, like, oh, no, you play with the Ouija board thing. But that was, like, kind of silly to me because I was, like, this is a whole-ass demon and he needed to be invited in via a child's Ouija board. Like, sure. Uh, what what I... If, well, there was... It opens a door. It opens a door. Yeah. Uh... No, I wouldn't fuck anyway. with one. I just think it's a little silly. Uh, no, as I said, uh, not on the podcast earlier, uh, <laughs> but during the break, I left a party one time because a Ouija board got brought out, and I don't fuck with no. that shit. No, I don't blame you. I, uh, I wouldn't either. But I'm sure in 1973, the scene of like, because her mom thinks it's kind of fun, and it, she has a Ouija board and is like, oh, do you know how to play with it? And she's like, yeah. And then it moves itself. I'm sure in 73, that made... Some audience goes yeah. like, <gasps> oh no, not the Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's it's fine. Honestly, I think it seems more cliche now, but probably at the time it was just like, whatever. It makes sense that that would be the way that the demon gets in. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Um, just if we jump into like the philosophical underpinnings of this movie right off the bat, I have such weird feelings about about this movie because it's it's such a weirdly conservative message like did you do you think about that like when you watch it like you're like i'm totally on board for this but when i think about like what is actually being said like through the message of the movie it's so odd like it's so like i don't know how it works like it does i just i'm not sure how it uh it it (laughs) I, I can see that, but at the same way, or at the same time, it it 
isn't because if you look at uh, uh oh my god this is another cut <laughs> Karis, there we go <laughs> if you look at uh my man uh <laughs> father Karis, uh how he ends up conquering and handling the demon isn't like the old-timey religious tradition he literally one beats the fuck out of a possessed 12 year old <laughs> and then instead of trying to use any religious rituals he he just he sacrifices yeah himself. he 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 tells the demon to come into him and then he has such a strong willpower he's able to handle it the only way he knows how in that moment, and that is to sacrifice himself. Which also, if you are a religious member in the audience and you want to uh, uh, know that his soul is fine, in the Bible it says there is no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for another man. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. That's so beautiful. even though he lost his faith, he is probably fine. Um, well, also, that I... Actually, I mean, God, we're going down tangents now. Um, but I think that that one scene was very intentional though like after he falls down the stairs and he is like lying and he's clearly like dying yeah um and the other priest comes to him and is doing his best to perform last rites um and it it's honestly kind of beautiful in a kind of awful way like because it's like it's showing that he his soul was not conquered by the demon like he he allowed the demon to possess him to save the little girl but it 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 didn't possess him fully because um like when the um when the other priest whose name i don't remember um is says like do you do you want to confess your sins um and you see him like squeeze his hand like that's essentially the only way he can communicate because yeah. you know he's he's dying like in like blood streaming from his head and i honestly don't know how he's conscious here but like sure um and but it's like but that's showing that he still retained his personhood and still retained ownership of his soul despite what had happened and i don't know i like I thought it was nice in a really weird, awful way because, <laughs> you know, because that was that was him winning essentially. Like that was faith winning over over doubt. Um, which <laughs> once again we go to like the weird like like this is if I actually if I was a religious person if I was a super religious person traditionally in, yes if I was person. a traditionally religious person. I would actually be a really big fan of this movie and would want people to watch it. Like, <laughs> I feel like most of them probably won't because they're like, oh, it's about like devil shit and Fuck whatever. Jesus. Yeah, Fuck you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they say bad words in it. Like, but I would actually want people to watch it because it's, it makes a very strong, like, case for the power of faith and for the, the power of, I don't know, of, good over evil and of of light over darkness that kind of thing like it it's very much about like you know you can't <laughs> and see this is where it gets dicey like you can't always rely on science to save you or whatever or like psychology sometimes you just have to like rely on the power of god I, you know and that's you know, uh, yeah. but <laughs> it's, but but that i feel like it's kind of what's being said here yeah. yeah, what do you think? Oh my god. Um I mean it definitely it definitely lands in the camp of like you are uh you are empowered by your faith. Um but 
I, I don't think it's making a big capital C Christianity point. I think um, it's using that because it is uh, Christianity um, is the most popular religion in the world and Abrahamic religions, two of them follow Christianity as the most popular religions in the world. Uh, it, it's using that backdrop to make just a a point about faith as a as a concept and how it gives you power over the the uh, evil forces or unknown forces or I- in anything that yeah. uh, adverse yeah. forces is I guess what you could say. And um, that's that's always such a confusing thing for me because it's like. I love a movie about faith, like to a weird extent where it's like, (laughs) I would not call myself a super religious person at all. Like that, that's a complicated backstory that I definitely am not going to get into here. But like when a movie is like about the power of faith over doubt and like faith over fear, I'm like, dude, fuck yeah. Like, and then I like step back for a a second. I'm like, wait, what? It's the same reason that we talked about Hunchback of Notre Dame for like 20 hours. Yes, it hits so hard for some reason. I don't know. Like, yeah, and like why, like my, still like my favorite thing in all of Star Wars is like, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. And it's like, oh shit. Like, I don't know. It's... May the force be with you. By the I'm way, sorry, I have to make I have to make a community reference in Caleb's stead, but I can't hear the words. That is why you fail without oh saying God. Betty White. Betty White's voice. <laughs> it's like I I respect you. That's why you fail. <laughs> I know. I know. It, yeah, that's why. I don't know. That's that's part of why this movie is so good, though, is because it's like. It really gets you believing believing something and like being like yeah yeah and then suddenly you're like wait what <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I especially find it interesting because like so much of weirdly more than I remembered like the bulk of the movie's runtime is dedicated to kind of meticulously trying to find out what is going on mm-hmm. like from multiple people like a lot of it is the girl's mom. Uh, who is um like a single mother and she's trying to figure out like with increasing desperation what's going on with her daughter um trying everything like trying medical solutions psychological solutions like everything like that and it just keeps coming up empty um and even the priest um even uh father Karras, who who's you know we follow him too is you know is expressing a lot of doubt um in his faith and um when the mother talks to him is basically like we we don't really do exorcisms anymore because that's like old shit that is basically debunked um which is pretty funny because this movie like popularized the concept of exorcisms but even in the movie they're like yeah that no one does that anymore (laughs) like that's not a real thing um like and so much of it like he's very convinced that the problem is psychological because yeah. he is a psychiatrist. Um, and once again, it's like, oh, does he believe in psychiatry or does he believe in God? It's like, uh, God, okay. I love. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, the entire cast here, especially our three, arguably four main characters, um, Chris, 
uh, Reagan's mom, uh, played beautifully by Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Uh, Jason Miller as Father Karras. Uh, Linda Blair being the best child actor in the world. I know. Uh, the, the stuff this girl had to do for and, this movie. Uh, Max von Sydow as uh, Father Mary. Maybe rest in peace, dude. What a what a king. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of deaths in this movie, um, I. I'll announce it now. If Shane doesn't want to do it, you and I will still just do it. Uh, there is going to be a Sounds Familiar, I Hope You Exist crossover episode where we cover the Curse of the Exorcist film. Uh, this is one of those legendary Hollywood, like, cursed movies. And, and I think it's going to be okay. fun, so we're going to do it. No, I would love to do that. That sounds great. Um, but they all did. They all did so good. And just going back to that scene where, uh, where Chris was trying to convince uh, uh, Father Karras that something else is going on just when he is saying like take her to a doctor blah 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 like she is so over it because she knows yeah what's wrong with it. like she knows that, oh, that she's line that's the like really horrible shit at this point and she's like i know that thing up there is not my daughter like, uh, yeah I, yeah God, i love that um yeah the things this movie makes us see and hear <laughs> a 12 year old girl do and say yeah uh, <laughs> it's, uh... is part of the reason this movie is uh touted as one of the most uncomfortable and scary movies of yeah. all time uh because definitely it, uncomfortable it, it's not it's <laughs> not uh uh every movie uh that uh you see a mother covered in the blood of her 12 year old daughter's special area after she was masturbating with a crucifix yeah i don't know if masturbating is the right word uh, more just like stabbing herself with it. I don't know. Yeah, but it's in a very intentional. It's it's a horrible. Yeah, that's the scene that I was like, yo, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly. I feel like a lot of what people like when people say this movie is really scary. What they really mean is this movie made me super freaked out and uncomfortable. <laughs> which I mean is totally fair. It's um, I don't know. Like we might as well talk about. The way the demon or the the demon possessing Reagan is characterized almost goes a little too far for me. Not even in the sense of like it's too gross, but in the sense of like it gets a little cartoonish. Uh, so I, I don't know. What do you think? Watching this movie, um, and, and you'll see it when we watch uh, Evil Dead Two, because um, <laughs> you don't really get it in Army of Darkness. Yeah. Um, Watching this movie made me understand why, uh, in things that make fun of possession movies, the demons are so... It's like, foul. ...crass <laughs> yeah. and vulgar. And I thought that was like, oh, okay, they're just, like, uh, they're, like, doing a bit. But, like, seeing this yeah. movie, I was like, oh, no, like... That's... If it, arguably, doing, yeah. arguably uh, Pazuzu it makes Reagan go harder than any deadite in uh, the Evil Dead <laughs> movies. And uh, it, honestly, like, it's super uncomfortable to watch, but it makes sense that an embodiment of evil, evil would be the most... <laughs> vile disgust because well, its entire goal it's not like yeah. it's not like lol i'm being so funny it, yeah. its goal is to like to break you, you yeah yeah and psychologically that's, i guess that's 
But it's like, I totally understand that. And I understand that's why he's like shouting all these like just weird sexual offensive things like at the priests. But it's also kind of funny. Like, your mother sucks cock. I know. He's just like shouting, and just like shouting like fuck her in the ass or like whatever. And it's like, dude, what? (laughs) Shut up. Like, what is that? I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a ritual here. I know. It's like, I get it. It's like, it's almost like the demon equivalent of yelling like, hey, better, better, better. Yes, yes, and uh, it's like it's. I don't know. The my problem with it is that like I can definitely see how to an audience in the seventies it would be really shocking, but at this point it comes off almost a little juvenile. It's like, oh, you said a bad word. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> like I don't know it. And this I was guess, the early seventies. Different, different time. Also, it's um, ethically, I couldn't argue for this because of the the it's being a child actress. But I feel like it would have been more scary if it had been the actual girl's voice saying all those things. Yeah. As opposed to this, like two packs a day man's voice, like yeah. So sometimes they do double talks. Uh, so you know Linda Blair had to say those lines. Hmm. But sometimes it is fully just, like, yeah. demon voice. Right. Um, and I don't... That never completely works for me. I think because it's, like... I think either the voice would have to be a little more unnatural sounding as opposed to just, like, a raspy man's voice, which is what it is. Or it would just have to be a straight-up, like, little girl's voice. Like, I feel like anything in between there doesn't quite land for me because I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm very aware that it's a, a voiceover happening right now. I'm really upset that Pazuzu never said, listen here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It, uh, I don't know. But that's that's honestly the only real problem I have with the movie as far as, like, it taking me out of it, kind of. Like, I think the stuff of the demon is a little silly. Like, for instance, like, the green vomit, I'm just like, oh, wow, okay. That's, that's, that's scary, man. That's great, yeah. Um, I don't know, like, it's a little silly. Um, I think they tried very, they tried very hard to be shocking with it, which can sometimes be to the detriment of being actually frightening and actually disturbing. But... But that's that through a said, modern lens yes, as well. Yeah. yeah, I and I will acknowledge that. Um that being said, like everything surrounding it is so good. And honestly, maybe that's part of what makes it seem more ridiculous is that the rest of the movie is so serious and somber and it, it you know, is not trying to be funny or shocking or it's just a very straightforward, like kind of sobering story. I, uh I'm surprised to see the amount of this movie that is spent away from Reagan and even her household. Like, um, yeah. a yeah. ton of this movie is is uh, Father Karras's story, and it is you. That could have been the entire movie. Yeah, no, and it would have been just as captivating. It's really good. Um, I God, I love a I love a cigarette smoking. Uh, uh, drinking priest yes it, it, yes. It, it, it's like people who are yes. dabbling in things that are stronger than they are and performing exorcisms mm. and things it, it, it's the same I, I like father karis in the same reason that i like characters like uh like john constantine from 
Yes, he is very much that kind of character. Uh, now, now, John Constantine was never no priest, but yeah. you, you see, you see the connective <laughs> He's tissue. He's religious there. adjacent. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, we might as well get into it. Um. I love Father Karras. He's so sexy. I love a sexy <laughs> priest. Wow. What a great like. What a great trope for a movie to have in it. Um. And more so than that, I like how it's like how he's characterized as kind of he. He's very much struggling with his faith, but, like, in a way where you can tell he still wants to hold on to it. Um, he's just, it seems like a, a, like a very genuine, compassionate person, but who's struggling a lot. Um, yeah, what, what I like about it, he's not, he's not losing his faith because of any uh, ideological thing. Yeah. It, it, it's his job and the circumstances of his life and his family's life has just, like, beaten him down and yeah. broken him. Right. Um, it, and they do such a good job of uh, of showing that journey and what that uh, emptiness and loneliness uh, mm-hmm. feels like. Um, right, because um, like you know, well, when you're a priest, you know, you, you know, I guess you're not really allowed to get married. You you, you don't have children, um, and his closest like familial relationship is with his mother, who is. I guess becoming senile um, and and does end up dying, and he has a lot of guilt over that. Um, and uh, he, you know, like not super. It doesn't really seem like there was a lot he could have done, but 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 he does feel guilt over it and over a Catholic feeling guilt. I know what that's unheard of. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but and and so you kind of get the sense that. He lost one person, and he doesn't want to be responsible for losing mm-hmm. another. Like whether or not he needs to feel responsible for that, he you know he does. Um, and of course, that's paired with Father Marin, who is kind of like the the old guard. Like he has battled with this uh, evil before, and um, as we hear, almost almost killed him, and this time actually does kill him. Uh, though we're mostly led to believe we don't really see it happen, which was kind of interesting to me. Um, we see him like begin to to get back into it, and then Father Karras comes back in, and he is dead. But we do know that he has a heart condition, yeah. so that you know, it, I feel like someone with a heart condition maybe shouldn't be doing exorcisms. But like, what do I know? But he's the best in the game. He is. I, he I is. do love. He comes in here like a like like fucking Catholic Superman, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and it's so awesome. No, it's fucking cool, dude. Uh, I, I love when, when Karis is like, uh, I should give you some background on the case. And he's like, why? Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, I know this thing's evil, and I'm here to kick evil's ass. Yeah, like, but I'm just uh, computer, and also, I, I love when he's like, but uh, she's manifesting multiple personalities. He's like, no, it's just one. There is and, one. And yeah. like, yes, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> you go, no. Father Man. No, he's so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, that's, it's really the exorcism stuff is a very small part of the movie. It's just like the last 20 mi- minutes, maybe. Yeah. Like. Um, but it's so, so good. Like, um, I don't know. It, <laughs> I never thought I would be so invested when it's just like some men chanting the power of Christ compels you and just like a body levitating for like a minute straight, like nothing else happening. <laughs> just like that. I was just like edge of my seat the whole time. Like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's really cool. Um, and 
I, I don't know. I really like just that last bit where it's like uh, Father Karras um, talking to the mom. And she says to him, like, is she going to die? And he says no. And that's kind of like that moment for him. It's like where he, he's having to choose, like, you know, what are you going to do here? And he's like, no, she's not going to die. With the Im- implication being that, like, because I'm not going to let that happen. And, of course, he doesn't know that when he gets to the top of the stairs, Father Marin is going to be dead. <laughs> um but at that point, it's like he's already made his choice. So no matter what happens when he walks into the room, that that choice isn't going to be any different. And we see, you know, we see what happens from there. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's really good. Like, honestly, really, I don't know. It's, it's emotionally moving in a way that... Uh, is good, so it keeps it from being, like, tasteless, uh, like, oh, it's just, the, like, a little girl getting slapped around by a demon, like, uh, mm. It's, it's so good, and, and the, the uh, parallel between the, you're gonna die up there at the beginning mm. of the movie, and mm. then the, is she gonna die up there? Shit. Yeah, you're no, right about yeah. that, though. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice bookend of. Uh, you're right. The events there. You're right. Because I didn't really get that line the first time. I was like, I get that she was saying that to the guy who was like an astronaut or whatever. And it just seemed to me like kind of a, just trying to sow havoc. Like, just like, oh, I'm going to scare people by saying weird shit and like peeing on the floor. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but you're right. That is a kind of an interesting bookend with that one. Uh, so something, and uh, audience, please, if you know what I'm misremembering this with, let me know. Uh, <laughs> I have a scene so vividly in my head of Reagan in full possessed form walking on her, like bent over backwards, walking down the stairs. Yeah, that's like a famous scene from the movie. Hey? That doesn't happen. There's two cuts of the movie. There's two cuts of the movie. Thank you, Ghost Caleb. <laughs> okay. Because it wasn't uh, in this version that I watched, the oh, version really? on Amazon Prime. Oh, the version I watched ha- had it. Oh. I think it was the. Dr- I think you must watch the extended cut section. Yes, I think. Okay. I think that is. So what it is. I, I, okay. So I thought I was going fucking insane. Okay, actually, yes. Um, I, I found out that that was like, um, because of the wire work, like that the the stunt actress had to do. They couldn't like erase it in a way that would look convincing because uh, it was the seventies, and so they cut it out of the theatrical version or or something yeah. like that. It's funny because I read that the, it was because the director didn't like the spot in the movie that it happened. That could they could both be true, I suppose. Thank you, Caleb's ghost. <laughs> uh, it is kind of funny because that is probably the scariest in a traditional horror movie sense part of the movie but it does kind of happen like halfway through like oh and now this is happening like (laughs) okay so good so i must have somehow watched the extended version the first time around and yeah so if you watch this movie maybe check somewhere else other than amazon prime i rented it from amazon prime and it does not have that scene in it that's so disappointing i i like that i think it's good it it adds a much needed jolt you know yeah that isn't just a a little girl saying cocksucker or something like you know (laughs) that it's something that is actually scary (laughs) um no that was really cool even though it does kind of make you wonder why we don't see much more of that in the rest of the movie though i guess the head turning around thing like that kind of counts right yeah um Okay, um, 
Oh, okay. So another, I guess, like, question I had that was, like, part of the movie that I was a little puzzled by. So what do you make of the last scene with the detective guy and the other priest? So there's also a, a preceding scene to this where, where it's the detective guy talking to Father Karras. And it's sort of replicated in the last scene where yeah. he's like, I have tickets to this movie. And he's like, this weird like thing that happens a couple of times where he's like saying who's in the movie, but he's clearly joking, at least yeah. based on... Sorry, based on my knowledge of like who, what kind of movies were coming out in the day, and he says these actors who are known for like being comedic actors yeah. in serious roles, so it's like supposed to be a joke. I didn't get that. Like, what did you did you get that? Uh, <laughs> no, that no I it it must be a reference lost to time. I do want to point out uh, that uh, The Exorcist has a reference or wow a reference. What is that? <laughs> a reference uh, to. Uh, Othello, and then Rosemary's Baby has a reference to Laurence Olivier, who famously played uh, Othello. So, just another little, like, small nice. link. Yes, you're right. The... Right, it was like... I don't know, it was... It was strange. I was trying to figure that out. Like, I get the, um... I got the presence of the detective. Like, obviously, that's... Like, like the doctors the, uh, bodies and have dropped. It's, he's yes, gonna be there. It's like, like... And it, it's another example of, like the god the the secular world <laughs> um attempting to understand the supernatural and so like that's what the detective guy comes in he's attempting to understand this murder that has happened oh uh, god i love the scene between him and father karis because the detective is trying to like extort and threaten yeah. uh father karis and then father karis at the end is like by the way I, I would just tell the court it was a matter of confession and like fucking mic drop <laughs> i mean that's a thing right yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can you can actually do that which is mm -hmm. kind of fascinating i mean i guess it's kind of like doctor patient confidentiality that kind of thing um and that it's like if someone tells you something in confession then like you don't have to to report it or like it's not admissible in court or something like yeah. that which is kind of fascinating um but I, and i also i loved his line later when uh chris is asking him things and uh he's like no i wouldn't turn the person in but i would try my hardest to get the person get in them to turn, turn themselves, themselves in yeah, yeah. I, I love that which i guess if there's someone who's making confession to begin with then guilt probably will work on them mm -hmm. so <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was just, I guess I was puzzled by that last scene because it was, um, the other, the other priest who was friends with Father Karras, um, and, um, the detective kind of talking to him and sort of saying the same things to him that he said to Father Karras. And I guess I was just sort of trying to understand what the, like, point of that was within the narrative. And I wasn't quite sure that I did understood, did understand that I understood. Yeah. Uh. I don't know, it, it 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 doesn't feel out of place per se, but it does it does make you wonder like why is this happening? Yeah. Which makes me feel like it's maybe something that's lost in the adaptation from the novel. It might be. Um yeah. if you've if you've read the novel, let us know what the differences are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was odd, right? Like, <laughs> it was just odd, kind of like that cyclical feeling of like this conversation had already happened and now it's happening again. Like, weirdly depressing in a way. Like, oh, nothing changed. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We don't understand anything more than we did at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Kind of. 
don't know. What I love about the end of this movie, though, is that we may not, not understand and the adults are, like, changed and scarred and have a ton of questions. But what's important is Reagan has no idea what happened. That's true. She and it's just, like, it. living her life she's, as a happy vibing, child. Man. And that's that's really the point of everything that happens is to get this child her innocence back. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm curious when her memory, like, cut off. Like, is it from the moment the demon entered? Because it was, like... The movie does show us that there are times when she is herself, but not always. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that she doesn't seem to remember but, any of it. But then there's also the question the minute the the demon entered, is it actually Reagan or is it like the demon presenting itself as Reagan? Mm. And we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's also kind of... I guess gets into like why is the demon doing this though I suppose that's somewhat addressed by the quote that we read at the beginning which is like there isn't really a why but there is like it's like the the demon's not going to gain anything from this but at the same time it's like well it's enough just to see humans suffer Um, that really makes my day you know (laughs) yeah if it's if it's like uh, uh, oh god uh, some of the theories about um, other supernatural beings out there see the I hope you exist episode on Hatman uh, it's possible that the demon just feeds on human fear and suffering yeah it's um, just like... either that or it's an eternal being that <laughs> is trying to just get some jollies yeah like, <laughs> like the worst things are for you the better things are for me it's literally just that simple yeah yeah, and it seems almost kind of like, yeah, but why would you, like, want to hang out and, like, be tied to a bed and get slapped with holy water and stuff? But it's just, like, and for the lulls, man. They, they establish it. No one can ask the demon, what do you want? Because it's just going to say, to suck your cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's just going to say some weird offensive shit. You're just going to be like, okay, anyway, enough South Park references. <laughs> like... I don't, yeah, it, it's just, <laughs> and I love how this demon, he's probably, like, fresh out of demon grad school, and is like, you know what is going to offend humans most? If I, like, say a bunch of dirty words, <laughs> like, that makes humans real upset. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, just, like, yeah, if, if I just, like, say some weird sexual shit, and, like, maybe throw a slur or two in there, like, I, it's going to be great, man. Like, I'm going to feed on the vibes for days. <laughs> I don't know. It's, throw some Latin in there. There's some backwards English. I, who knows why demons do what they do? I mean, they just be doing. Um, it, also, I guess. speaking of backwards talk, a fun history fact: The Exorcist is a big reason there was a thing in the '70s where everyone was checking like Kiss records and <sighs> shit for backward speak because The Exorcist put that idea up there into the public do consciousness, we and people have are stupid. To blame The Exorcist partially for the Satanic Panic. That's yeah. an uncomfortable question. Uh, no, absolutely we do, because people mm. uh, can't separate uh, no. fiction from reality. Y'all should get better at that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like our audience has got a good grip on the, it. They have if to If you be. don't, hey. Get better. Get well <laughs> soon. <laughs> send us your address. I'll send god. you a gift card. Oh my god. <laughs> or not a gift card. A yeah. get well soon yeah, card. Get well I'm not giving you flag. money because no, you're no, flawed as a you. human being. <laughs> You give us money. Just kidding. Anyway. Hey, here's a tip. Go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Listeners will literally listen to a podcast instead of going to therapy. Mm. Listen That's to fine. a podcast and go to therapy. This Trust is therapy me, for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. I don't know. It. 
that's the thing. That's my feelings about this movie are so complicated because it's like I love it and it's so good. And I feel like people took it too seriously, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it, it takes a certain combination of fears. But, like, with how religious Americans are and, you know, how much we value our culture wars, you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> This was not an actual factual war. It's got to be a culture war. America be warned. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel like maybe the idea was kind of put into people's heads, like children could be vulnerable to satanic shit, and I don't know. I don't know. It's I. I'm always hesitant to blame movies for this kind of thing. Like with Jaws. Like I. I know we say well, like, oh, people panicked about sharks after Jaws, but like that's people's fault, it, not yeah, Jaws' it, fault. It's never the movie's fault. Right. It, it is the public's use of the art. That it's is. people's fault for being dumb and panicky and for not knowing what like art is. Yes. <laughs> I'm not trying exactly. to sound like an asshole, but like you know, yeah. I think that. This is a really great movie, and honestly, if I was Catholic, I would be like, fuck yeah, this is the best movie ever, because I'm be... a goddamn superhero. Yes, exactly. No, it's... And then you would have yeah. to do several Hail Marys for saying goddamn. <laughs> oh, but... God. I mean, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, no, but I, you know, I, I... I don't even have time, and nor am I drunk enough to get into all my feelings about religion. But I, I think there is a certain amount of relatability in a narrative about the the power of faith. Um, but even more than that, you know, this movie is about the the fragility and vulnerability of of the human soul, mm-hmm. and in that way, I would say is incredibly positive or or, or optimistic about that because it's it shows over and over that you know even if materially like evil is encroaching upon a person like the human soul can persist and can survive all of that um like with father Marin, you know like he is killed by the the demon we are to assume but he he went out fighting you know and it's his physical body that failed him. Um, his faith was never shaken. Right. Meanwhile, uh, uh, contrast that with Karis, whose faith is shaken, um, but whose physical body is fine. And it, as a matter of fact, him using his physical form right. is the tool that... Right, and that's, I think... Yeah, it's, like, weirdly positive. Like I said, <laughs> in, like, a strange, terrible way. It's like even after the demon possesses him, there's still enough of him left. And you and I think that moment is very important too, where it's like you kind of see from his perspective perspective, you see him like he starts to like go towards Reagan, like his hands kind of stretch out like that. Like the demon is like, Okay, oh, fine, I- like you want me to jump into you, now I'm gonna make you do something terrible. And but he he overcomes that, so. and you see his like face more for a second. Yeah, right. And, and it's then he's like, "Nah, cool. I'm gonna jump out this one." <laughs> like honestly, I would watch a whole movie of that as like a person just personally battling a literal demon possession and like trying. That's just Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it is. It's such a tiny little microcosm of Dr. or the Michael hulk if you want to get super nerd. yeah <laughs> oh my god i can't believe the exorcist is about the hulk um, 
the Hulk is the spiritual sequel. By far the best Hulk movie we've ever done. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. Essentially. But that's what it's about. It's about the the triumph of, of... the good within a person over the evil that can try to overtake them. And I think that's really beautiful. So in some ways, this is like a happier ending than Rosemary's Baby. Um, <laughs> but it also depends on how you headcanon that Rosemary's Baby actually ends. So Yeah. Hmm. For, for Chris and Reagan specifically, yes. it is a very happy ending. Mm-hmm. For anyone else we're supposed to care about in this movie, it's kind of tragic. <laughs> yeah, because they all die. Yeah. Like, but... But they die being fully themselves and without being conquered by evil. And in some ways, in a movie like this, that's the best case scenario. (laughs) (laughs) So, especially if you're Catholic, I imagine that like being being able to die without being conquered by a demon and being able to make your last confession as yourself is 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 a pretty pretty good way to go, all things considered, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for how this went. Um, Yeah. uh, So. Well, Justin, where do you think this falls on the NSFC scale? 3.5. <laughs> See, that's where it starts getting dicey. Because that's where it's like, we've established that, that Caleb can handle a 3. But we don't know if he can handle a 3.5. I don't think there's anything in this movie that's going to make him scream. Uh, but there, there are things in this movie that I think uh, Caleb does not want to carry around in his soul. <laughs> Uh, so for uh, that, I will give him a three point. Like, we don't want to, but we go into the darkness and Caleb doesn't thing, have that's to. That's the thing. I don't think it's so much that Caleb can't handle gross, disturbing shit as that I think he can't handle stuff that is actually viscerally scary. Yeah. And I don't think this is that. So that's why I say that I think he could handle it. Like, I think Caleb can handle a 12 year old girl saying some nasty shit with a demon voice i think he could handle that like he might not like it but it wouldn't like traumatize him you know what i'm saying the only part that i'm like oh that might be a bit much for caleb is the going down the stairs backwards and vomiting blood thing but even that it's like eh, it's it's like three seconds he he'll be fine I, I I'm I'm saying firm in my rating three point five. Yeah, no, no, I think that's I think that's a good I think that's a good rating. Um, that's the thing. It's like once it gets to a four, I'm like, yeah, that's not for Caleb. Yeah. But this was right in the middle where I'm like, mm. I think uh, this pro- is for Caleb. My, if you trick him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my 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 professional opinion pushes glasses up nose. Um, is that as it, an appreciator of film, Caleb needs to watch this movie at some point. And he can get as drunk as he wants first. I don't care. And it can be in the middle of the day with all the lights on. And I will, like, cuddle him afterwards and, like, make... I, I will tell him I will protect him from all the demons. Yeah, I, I think uh, if you are a uh, uh, capital F, capital B with a trademark film buff, <laughs> uh, you need to watch both of these yeah, movies. Yeah, you do. Um... Like, I'm not going to ask you to watch anything much worse than this, but these ones, you, 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 yeah. you, you, should, you should watch them. Yeah, should, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this movie is, it, it, it again, like Rosemary's Baby, uh, it absolutely delivers on the promise uh, of its legacy. Oh, um, yeah. Definitely, definitely give it a watch if you haven't, which, again, if you haven't, we've been talking about it for an hour. Why the fuck have you been listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> 
Um, but uh, if you've only seen it one time and at any point you've been like, man, I need to give it a rewatch, please do. Oh, yeah. uh, it is it is great yeah. and really, really makes you think about capital S stuff. <laughs> make, make, makes you think about death and get sad and stuff. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. All right. This has been a fun. I I like talking about horror movies. Yes. And we have a whole month of this on. I (laughs) know. I don't get to do much of that in my regular (laughs) life. I'm loving this for me. Uh, Yeah. um, We haven't yet decided which movie we're doing next week, actually. Check Uh, our Twitter account. We'll be better. (laughs) (laughs) We will be bringing more horror movie discussions soon. All right. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph Has No Name and uh, on Letterboxd at Raise Left Boob. I'm Justin. You can find me on most social media at Blame It On Butler. And you can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right. We will see you next week, guys. Bye. Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm asking the Ouija board. Uh, Caleb, <laughs> is there any, any, any parting wisdom you wish to give the audience? Good night, everybody. There you go. That's pretty wise, huh? Love ya. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Sounds Familiar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.